Welcome back to Cthulhu Light Show, your one-stop shop for nerd news you've already heard and opinions you don't need. On today's episode, we'll be discussing some news, and then we'll be given an overview on Pokemon Mystery Dungeon as a franchise. Uh, I'm Brian. And I'm Dakota. Dakota, why don't you lead us into our first nerd news topic? It's something that I think is near and dear to your deepest fears. Uh, that's one way to put it. So, uh, back in episode, I believe, three or four, we discussed Clearview AI, which is a yeah, tech startup like that. that is trying to get, like, facial recognition software, like, out into the public, or I mean, by the public, I mean, like, to the police. Yeah. You know, just you know, form a little bit of a surveillance state there. But hey, what can you do? What we can do, apparently, uh, is paint our faces like juggalos. That really throws off the, the algorithms. Yeah, that and, like, cyber, cyberpunk get up. Yeah. I'm excited for Cyberpunk 2077, but I, I don't want to live it in 2020. Yeah. Speaking of, so Clearview AI is reportedly developing a surveillance camera. Which, of course combined with their facial recognition database, is, spells bad news for pretty much everyone. Are you and I are both real anxious about this kind of thing. Like, the potential for it to be misused is so, like, colossal. But I also recognize that it'll be extremely profitable for whatever company spearheads it. So it's like, it's an inevitability, but God, I wish it wasn't. Yeah, it, it's helpful in the way that like, uh, what was that movie where, like, people look into the future and they can predict crimes before they happen? Oh, um, something, Minority Report? Minority Report, that's it. We're living in Minority yeah. Report. Yeah. Yeah, this sucks. I'm not a fan. I hate um, it. And these, these assholes better knock it the fuck off. Yeah, listen to us. <laughs> Two nerds with 13 subscribers on Spotify. You stopped yeah. your entire multi-million dollar tech startup, goddammit. No, the reality of it is there is no stopping it. Um, it will probably only get worse. And I, th- I think the honest-to-God truth is that people will come to accept it much more quickly than you might think. Like, the Amazon stores with the facial recognition checkout, that's terrifying, but mm-hmm. also incredibly convenient. Yeah, like, you, don't even know, you don't even need a wallet for that. Yeah, once people come to recognize the absolute convenience of that system, nobody will care. Well, at least people will become much more okay with the, like, extreme discomfort of having that kind of software out there. Um, It will always bother me, but I've also kind of accepted that, like, it's coming whether I want it to or not. Yeah, it's, uh... This isn't the dope cyberpunk future I was promised. This is this is fucking watchdogs. <laughs> but yeah. like none of us know how to hack. Yeah. This is this is the horrible cyberpunk future where doxing for most people just means going on Google. I hate it. So do you have anything else to add or should we move on? Well it looks like uh just last week here, Apple disabled Creepy AI's app for violating its enterprise developer program rules. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what those are. I mean, good on Apple, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, yes. I, irony of ironies. You think they'd be all about this. Yeah, irony of ironies. I'm a huge uh, Android guy, which of course is Google, which of course is capital B, capital T, big tech. Uh, mm-hmm. But Apple is starting to win me over. I really, I really do enjoy their at least 
on the surface commitment to uh, user privacy. And yeah. also, uh, a yeah. recent report from the Daily Beast discovered that Clearview AI's client list was hacked. Oh, good. So yeah, this is our uh, this is our cyberpunk future, dude. Even better. So like the people developing the technology also can't keep all of the horrible forbidden secrets safe. That's good. Hell yeah, dude. I can't wait to class into Decker. <laughs> That's a Shadowrun joke. I'm a real nerd. Nice work, dude. Anyway, moving on. Our next topic uh, also relates back to an earlier topic. I think our fourth episode was about Google Stadia and the games-as-a-service model in general. Yes. Um, I've got a slight update here for us about Google Stadia. So you might remember Dakota and I were not very optimistic about Stadia, and we're not particularly friendly to it at all, actually. Well, Business Insider just reported that there's been some serious doubts and some serious struggles with getting game developers to work on Stadia. Um, Now, because for some reason we're obsessed with Niche Gamer, I accessed the Business Insider report through the Niche Gamer report on the Business Insider report. But the gist of it is, basically, Google Stadia, or Google as a company, is not offering developers nearly enough money to produce games for the platform. And that, coupled with the kind of controversy and like consumer resistance that Stadia has been faced with, has left most developers unwilling to commit to Stadia. And what I, th- what I think is the most interesting thing about this report is apparently a few people that Business Insider spoke to um, claimed that part of the reason people weren't committing to, the, to, to Stadia was that supposedly the people at Google have not really been willing to even promise that Stadia will still be an active platform a year from now. Um, which was something Dakota and I were very concerned with when we discussed it in the actual episode. Yeah, and what's funny is that uh, niche gamer sites, not just killedbygoogle.com, but also uh, gcemetery.co and a Verge article yes. listing a bunch of dead Google products. And yes. I gave Google uh, incredible slack on that. I said five years Stadia would be dead. These guys are saying one. Yeah, yeah. I w- to be fair, we don't know for sure that it's going to be dead in a year, but basically, prospective developers have been given no assurances that Stadia will still be around to, like, like these developers could spend money and, and devote time to developing games specifically for Stadia, and then by the time it's time for the game to drop, it could turn out that Google pulls the rug out from under them and Stadia just ceases to exist, you know? The, the people at Google have not given any assurances that that won't happen. So clearly, they're not nearly as invested in, in the Stadia project as they claim to be. No, and that's that, that's a thing with Google, like we said. There's, uh, if it turns a profit, great. Uh, if, if it doesn't keep piquing their interest, or if they don't see a way to make some sort of money from it, which, you know, is standard... Uh, scrap it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I should note there is a statement from a Stadia representative here, a guy named Patrick Siebold. He's quoted here as saying, The publishers and developers we speak with regularly are very supportive and want Stadia to succeed. It is also worth pointing out that not every publisher has announced their games for Stadia so far, and more games will continue to be announced in due course. Um, this is one of those statements that doesn't really say much. You know, um, 
they're basically just saying, hey guys, wait and see, but they're not saying like, no, no, like Stadia will continue to be around. We are aggressively pursuing, you know, new development teams and new games. It's just kind of like a spokesperson had to say something, so they said something. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, funny thing that I saw here real quick. So far, there are 56 titles out or coming to Stadia since it launched back in November. Uh, 22 of those 56 titles are upcoming. So oh my god. Yeah, there's 34 games available right now, which you have to buy at full price. Yeah, well, that's the in thing. In addition is, to your subscription, of, it's... Well, you only need... you only Remember, you only do the subscription if you're doing the 4K. But, like, there have been accusations that it's not even true 4K. There have been accusations that Stadia doesn't actually meet the, like, performance standards that Google claims it does. Um, and I think, like you, like you pointed out, the real kicker is that the vast majority of these games are games that have been out for, like, years, and yet you're still expected to buy them at full price. I do not think Stadia is long for this world, and I think we're in agreement on that point. Oh, not at all. Anyway, we got a fun news story. You wanna you wanna bring us into the fun news story? Oh, that's why I'm here, man. Uh, Brian and I joked before recording about uh, the coronavirus because, of course, it's the only thing in the news right now. There's yes something happening in a bunch of states today, but you know whatever. This is uh breaking news, I guess. Reported from us through Mashable.com, uh, we did find patient zero of the coronavirus, and it's uh, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak's wife. <laughs> <laughs> so according to a tweet uh, from Monday from St- uh, Steve Wozniak, it says, Checking out Janet's bad cough. Started January 4th. We had just returned from China and may have both been patient zero in U.S., very bizarre. Yeah, it, it's out of fucking nowhere. My favorite thing is that this article, which is from Mashable, goes on to say, Wozniak's wife, Janet, later confirmed that she does not have the coronavirus. She has a sinus infection. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker was just like, could be we brought the coronavirus to the United States. He fucking blames his wife for it. I, I can only assume he's been spiraling in depression for years. I don't I don't know much a, about him beyond getting screwed when he founded Apple. He's been in like a, a some sort of legacy or branding like position at Apple since he left in like eighty five. He's he's got like a steady paycheck and like okay. nothing else to do. What the fuck? What? Well, first of all, I would just like to point out that he made this tweet accusing his wife of being patient zero on the day it was announced that uh, six people had died from the virus in Washington State. Oh my god! So he just went on Twitter and was like, I wonder if my if that blood is on my wife's hands. Uh, but then he all... But then... But then there was a... There was a tweet a little bit later where he said... Uh, Janet and I recovering room virus we got over two weeks ago in Asia. I doubt it's coronavirus since we haven't been in Mexico. And then in parentheses, corona. <laughs> is that a shitty joke about... That is a sh- oh, that's, a, that's a shitty joke. Uh, which apparently something like 35% of Americans believe. Oh my god, really? There was, a, there was, a, there was some kind of study done that's like, 
35 or 38 percent of Americans believe that they won't drink Corona beer because of the coronavirus. Oh my god, what? Yeah. I assume these are the same people who think chocolate milk comes from brown cows and that pro wrestling is real. Takes anyway. all kinds. Anyway, we thought that the Wozniak thing loosely counted as nerd news because it's fucking Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple. But, uh, huh. rich people are weird, man. They really are. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into our main topic, which is in light of the upcoming re-release or remake of uh, the original Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, uh, we wanted to discuss Pokemon Mystery Dungeon as a franchise, our thoughts, our feelings, our maybe some hot takes will get thrown in there, but we will probably not actually cover the remake itself since it's a remake of a game we've already played for the most part, and, you know, we we uh, we just don't want to devote that much uh that much time to it. So, Dakota, how, how do you feel about Pokemon Mystery Dungeon? Oh, I love Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. It's easily my favorite of the Pokemon spin-off games, of which oh, there yeah, have for been... Sure. Yeah. Of which there have been many. Yeah, and, and a lot of them were roughly around the same time and did not catch on nearly as well. Uh, I know that Pokemon Rangers still has its fans, but that series of spinoffs never appealed to me at all. I had a friend who was into it. I never got into it. Uh, Apparently no one else is into it because the last game came out in like 2010. Yeah, yeah. Well, you will still find people saying, come on, where's the next Pokemon Rangers game? But um, I just don't think that that series of games was was as successful as people want want to pretend it was. Um, I never personally was really into them. Um... For me, I don't usually care too much about Pokemon spinoffs because I love Pokemon as a concept so much already. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon for me was like the spinoff that just made sense. Because actually, as we have stated here on our outline, like the beauty of Mystery Dungeon is that it kind of cuts out the middleman. Like instead of being a child who is collecting magical creatures, you just get to be the magical creature in a world full of magical creatures. Um, So like... I was immediately invested in Mystery Dungeon, and I was I immediately fell in love with it. And when it got announced, I I was pretty young. I mean, it was 2006, but I still remember sitting there at the computer thinking, "God, about time! Can't believe it took them this long to think of this idea." Um, yeah, I know, I was an asshole, but yeah, I was like nine, uh, ten I, years old when these Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games came out, and. I am 100% in agreement with you, um, at least in theory, I adore Mystery Dungeon. Um, I think it's a great idea. I've had a lot of fun with, uh, you know, several games in the series, and um, I do want to see more future installments, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so did you, did you start with um, the original two games? I did. I actually... Uh... Uh, second hand. I, I I did pick up uh, Red Rescue Team. I never I never had Blue okay. Rescue Team. Okay. I had Blue, and I think my sister had Red. That was a weird. Um, that was a weird instance where you know they did the classic, you know, two version model that they always do for Pokemon, but they did it in 
a very unconventional way, you know, with with t- typically with the, the different versions of Pokemon, the intent is to encourage trading or, you know, encourage you to just buy both versions of the game. As far as I know, there's no real version of trading in uh, Mystery Dungeon because it just functions very differently. But blue was for the DS and red was for the Game Boy Advance. And as far as I was aware, they were roughly the same game just for two completely different handhelds. Yeah, there's, of course, uh, Blue Rescue Team takes advantage of the second screen. Uh, yes. I think that's where the map goes, and that's where, like, you can chug your items and shit, but... Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they're basically the same game. Yeah. Um, and I think that was an interesting strategy. You know, Nintendo's no stranger to releasing, uh, you know, older games, or re- releasing a new game on the old platform and the new platform, but I thought it was interesting to specifically create like to take advantage of the two game model to specifically have one color like one version of the game for the older system and one version for the newer system i thought that was interesting um they never did that again as far as i'm aware no um which so which of the which of the mystery dungeon games have you played in all then pokemon mystery dungeon all right um and we'll get to the, the others real quick but uh the pokemon mystery dungeon games uh i'm really gonna expose myself here uh, because I only ever played red and eventually blue. I, I found I uh, obtained a copy, we'll say. Ha 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 ha. And then I just like kind of fell out of it because I got into like World of Warcraft and like Xbox Live and stuff. Um, Fucking nerd games. Yeah, exactly. Then I jumped back in uh, at Super Mystery Dungeon. So I completely yeah. missed uh, the Explorers series. Uh, Gates to Infinity, uh, those weird Japanese-only ones for the Wii. Yeah, we all missed those, but... Um, the setting something my, up, which ones did you play? No, my history is not um, so different from yours. I played Blue and eventually Red, and I'm a big fan of those games. I played the Explorers games, but not Explorers of Sky... I play. I think Darkness is the one that I that I ha, that I own, and I missed Gates to Infinity, and then I came back for Super, played it for a while, and had like an extremely negative reaction to it, and put it away pretty quickly. I think I got maybe five or ten hours into it before I was like, I can't fucking do this, and I just stopped. Um, I played it at your recommendation, and and you stand by that game, and a lot of other people do too. I think it just was not my cup of tea. Um, but I actually, like, replayed, um, Explorers of Darkness this past summer, so, um, those games are more fresh in my mind than the rest. Well, that's good. It's, it's, this, this is, this is where uh, our weird hobbies kind of really merge. It, It helps, because... You've played a bunch of the games that I haven't. Yes. Yeah. And you've played one of the big games that I... I mean, I I was kind of excited to talk about this topic because I really did not like Super Mystery Dungeon, despite the fact that I really love the franchise. Um, But you really, really like Super Mystery Dungeon, so I'm intrigued, um, like, how that'll play out in the discussion. Um you want to go over the like history of the franchise very quickly for us? Yeah, I'll make it real quick. So, those of you uh, like me, uh, who were 
you know, young when these games came out, probably thought that Pokemon Mystery Dungeon was just the one spinoff, but apparently Mystery Dungeon is a whole, like, series. Uh, it started in Japan, of course, on the Super Famicom with, uh, <coughs> Toreko no Daibokin, Fushigi no Dungeon, on uh, September 19th, 1993. Wow, man. Yeah, I've been practicing that for a while. Um, thank you, thank you. And apparently that stars uh, Tornico, who is a shopkeeper from uh, Dragon Quest IV. I'm about to use Dragon yeah, Quest guy. Were... Yeah, I knew there was some connection to Dragon Quest with these games. Yeah, I, I like I said, I'm not a huge Dragon Quest guy. Uh, we didn't get uh, a Tornico game in America until the year 2000. Okay. Uh, and of course, there's also the Shur and the Wanderer series, which I have no fucking idea what that's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Chocobo series, which is usually more aimed toward children. I, uh, at least with uh, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, Everybody, which is a remake of the original game. Uh, there's, there's a lot of remakes and re-releases and things in, in the Mystery Dungeon series. And of course, Pokemon, and there's Etrian Odyssey, which I've been tempted to check out, but I, I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, but, right. of and course, we- Pokemon is the big Mystery Dungeon series. And for all intents and purposes, it kind of is... Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, and we first got it in North America in 2006. Like, I, I think I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so this was an established franchise kind of already, and I, I was completely unaware of that until you mentioned that to me. Um, so that's very interesting. I can't help but think of Mystery Dungeon as being purely a Pokemon thing, but, you know. Um, yeah. Same here. It, it, it's, it, it's fine. Now, probably the most notable thing about Mystery Dungeon as a spin-off game is that its mechanics are really different from other, like, typical Pokemon games. Um, Mystery Dungeon is a roguelike where you, you know, wander through randomly generated levels, you go floor to floor to floor to get to whatever objective you're trying to accomplish, and the combat system is still turn-based, but it's on, like, it's from a top-down perspective on a grid, and, you know, you and your partner can, the frequency with which your partner can attack is, I think, determined by your speed stat. Like, your speed stat functions differently in these games than how they do in most Pokemon. It's not, it's not just who goes first, it's how often do you get to attack, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert on the mechanics of these games, but I think that's how it works. Um, but there's also, like, different terrain types that different Pokemon can interact with differently. Like, fire types can walk over lava, uh, water types over water, uh, ghost types can go through walls and stuff like that. Um, there's a whole, like, IQ system, which gives you different, like, strategies and abilities to utilize. It's, it's surprisingly complex, you know? Uh, and that might have to do with the fact that it was building on existing Mystery Dungeon games. Yeah, because that's they, probably yeah. Yeah, because they had like th- something like thirteen years to really craft it from uh, Tornico, no, whatever it was. I clicked off of the page now to Pokemon Mystery yeah. Dungeon. Yeah. Um, uh, they also like brought new ideas to the combat of Pokemon. Like there were things like Link moves 
where you could chain, I think, two or three. Actually, you might have been able to chain all four moves together if you wanted to, but you could you could chain various moves together so that you could cram two or three or four attacks into a single turn, with the obvious downside being that uh, you use up all of your, your PP more quickly than if you were just using one move at a time. Um, but that allows you to do some pretty interesting combos, like, for instance, if you do Leer and Tackle together, then you automatically lower your opponent's defense every time you tackle them, which makes for some interesting ways to strategize. I would argue, especially in Red and Blue Mystery Dungeon, it kind of broke the game, though. As it does when, when these sorts of things are introduced. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also various battle items, like you can throw rocks and sticks, and there's, like, explosive seeds you can throw at people. Yeah, you got your reviver siege, which you can faint in the dungeon, eat that, and you're back up. Uh, right. The explosive seed you can eat or throw, depending, and it, it's either like an area effect of attack or like a burst. Um, yeah. Of course, gravel rocks, which are my favorite. It's literally just a rock you throw a Pokemon from a distance. <laughs> fucking it's love like the rocks. Safari Zone, but even more fucked up. Or maybe exactly. less fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's less fucked up. It's animal and animal violence. Yeah, it's not a human pelting a fucking cow with with rocks. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and AOE moves are really important to Mystery Dungeon because, like as I said, it's it's area of effects. Um, it's really easy to get cornered or to get like pincered by opponents, especially if you're in like a tight corridor. Um, usually, also an interesting thing is you do get a team, but it's a team of two to three to four Pokemon. But their size is, like, a factor where, like, sometimes there's a Pokemon who's the size of two Pokemon, which means that decreases the number of Pokemon you can have on your team by one. So, like, if you wanted to have Moltres on your team, Moltres counts as two Pokemon. I'm guessing here, I don't know that for a fact, but, like, you could have your starter, another partner, and Moltres, but you couldn't have Moltres plus another guy. Um, yeah. Although weirdly, weirdly enough, it's not based on actual size in most of the games. It's mostly based on like legendary status. Like Snorlax counts as one Pokemon, but then a Pokemon like I think Celebi counts as like two, despite Celebi being a little itty bitty baby. Interesting. Um, and of course, that's yeah, a, that's, a, that's just, a balancing thing. Absolutely, it absolutely is a balancing thing. Um, they also really hammer home the exploration part of this kind of it's like the whole game is like an endurance test because especially in the earlier games some of these dungeons are insanely long red and blue had like 100 floor dungeons that you could explore and your hunger is the thing that makes it like simultaneously a race against time and an endurance test like you need to manage and forage for food which simultaneously encourages you to search every inch of every floor but deters you from exploring every inch of every floor because the more you explore, the hungrier you get. So, like, there's a weird balance there. Uh, I'm not going to say it's, like, really exploration-heavy because it is roguelike. You know, everything is randomly generated, and uh, it's kind of a crapshoot what you'll find. Um, yeah, there's some floors where you end up in the in the first room and it's, like, two RM berries or a Viver Seed and a PP up. And yeah. then you end up with like a one or two floors where you come in. It's just a, a little bit of poke, which is the currency in the game. Yeah, or some fucking rocks or whatever. There's also traps all over the floor that slow you down or give you ailments or whatever. 
Um, but of course, there are also uh, I forget what they're called. They're like they're like clear tiles or something like that. They look like arrows. That's, that's it. all I remember. Yeah, I think it's clear tiles. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but sounds good to me. Also, like this, you know, Pokemon at its core is a franchise about collecting and like cultivating your Pokemon, um, raising them, training them, it evolving is. them, trading them. Um, I thought it was that? just finding friends online to inject like six IV Pokemon in for you, so you could build the perfect yeah. team and get banned online. I mean, yeah, basically, there's a lot of hacking going on right now with uh, Sword and Shield. Oh yeah. Um, like a lot of perfect IV shiny Mews are finding their way onto onto the Wonder Trade. So it's, uh, it's a little suspicious, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, but. Mystery Dungeon kind of revises that a little bit, where Mystery Dungeon has typically been a little more story-driven. Um, the combat is pretty different, like I said. Um, and the way you collect Pokemon is by... There There are sometimes story events, sometimes there are items that help you do it, but usually, in the games that I've played, you randomly recruit Pokemon after you beat them in battle. So it's kind of a crapshoot, and in that way I really don't think that this game does emphasize collecting Pokemon, because collecting Pokemon is even more tedious in this game than it is in the, the original franchise. Um, did you ever attempt to collect Pokemon? Uh, not originally. I attempted it in Super Mystery Dungeon, but of okay. course there's uh, 720 Pokemon you can collect in the Super yeah. Mystery Dungeon. And yeah. that is a fucking nightmare. I didn't I didn't even try. Yeah. yeah. Um Red and Blue, yeah, I think Dakota and I will generally be pretty pretty like praising of Red and Blue, but one thing that I did not really care for about Red and Blue was that they made recruiting even more tedious because you had to buy like friend areas. You had to buy these little habitats that specific Pokemon could fit into. And if you did not have those habitats, usually the Pokemon would not join you if you beat them. Like an example I gave Dakota before we started was, I'm pretty sure there was like a mushroom forest. And if you wanted like Shroomish or Paris or whatever, you needed to have the mushroom forest environment unlocked. Or you just you would you could kill a thousand of them and never recruit one of them. So and you had to usually pay for those with money. Um, sometimes you would recruit a Pokemon and they would award you with the habitat, but that was not the norm. Um, obviously, the biggest gameplay mechanic change is that you are the Pokemon now, and the way you are you select the Pokemon that you will be is with the personality test. Um, how do you feel about the personality test mechanic? Um, I'm really hit and miss with it. Uh, yeah. Just because the, the questions are vague, to say the least. Mm -hmm. um, yes, and also, the Rescue Team DX game gave me Psyduck at the end. Hell yeah! So, Dude, that's luck right there. <laughs> Honestly, from knowing you IRL, you kind of are kind of our Psyduck, like, in human flesh. Oh man, really? Yeah, man. That's what you think you of have me? These you, <laughs> you have these horrible headaches that with that that restrain your latent power. Yeah, I have very mixed feelings about the mechanic as well. I kind of like I get what they're going for, and there is something fun to be said about like 
no matter what I get in the personality test, I will use that Pokemon. But I also kind of wish they would just let you choose. Um, they let you choose your partner, um, which makes up for it a little bit, I think. Uh, but... In Super Mystery Dungeon, they do... You, you, you take the personality quiz, but if you don't like it, you can also just choose. Yes, and I, I like that. That's a, that is a good, good change to the existing formula. I'm not sure if that happens um, in the Explorers series or not. Um... I know in no, Gates I don't think Dungeon. it might happen in Gates to Infinity. It doesn't. I don't think it happens in Explorers of Darkness or Time. Maybe Sky, because um, I haven't played that. But I, I'm pretty sure it's still just a personality test for uh, for Explorers. Uh, do you remember what the first ever Pokemon you got this way was? Like in Red, do you remember what the personality test gave you? Oh man, uh, I remember uh, when I came back to it. Uh, a few years ago through uh some means we'll say um uh-huh. yeah wink wink i ended up getting like cyndaquil dude I, I think that was mine too oh no way i i think it was um originally i, I might have been or charmander originally i might have been totodile or i okay. probably just googled like pokemon mystery dungeon uh quiz answers because, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just a scrub. When I played through um, Explorers this summer, I got Totodile. Um, I definitely did just look up the answers after a while, though, because I was like, I want to be Bulbasaur! Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of fun. One thing that I, I want to fucking complain about with uh, with Mystery Dungeon was, do, or with Red and Blue was, do you remember there was a, a step in that personality quiz where they would ask you to put your thumb on the screen so they could read your aura? Oh, God. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So nobody knew how the fuck to control that for the longest time. It was based on the color of your DS home theme. Ooh, really? So, like, if your little PictoChat, like, header was blue... That was your aura. Your aura was blue. Oh, man. Yeah. Which I'm like, you motherfuckers. And here I thought... No wonder I keep getting the same shit. Here I thought Spike Chunsoft was uh, tapping into some, like, <laughs> third <laughs> eye magic shit. Or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Anyway. So why don't we talk really quick about what we like about the franchise and then what we don't like about the franchise. Um, what what kind, what are the things that you consider like unequivocal unequivocal good aspects of the franchise? Oh, uh, well, good aspects right off the bat. It, it's probably one of the best roguelikes I've ever played. Yeah, I'm, uh, I would probably agree with that. I, I'm 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 a pretty decent like I'm a pretty decent fan of like dungeon crawlers, your your roguelike games like yeah. uh, Diablo, Torchlight. Uh, Mystery Dungeon, of course. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. I'm for a... I guess that's surface level. Is Dabble still surface level? Sure. Uh, whatever. Um, but I, I, I am a fan of these, like, you know, exploration, you know, looters, uh, you know, these roguelike games. And like I said, they do just to make a real roundabout waves, you know, extending what I can say in one sentence to, like, 45 seconds is like I, I really do enjoy Mystery Dungeon it's one of the most uh, tightly made uh, roguelike games I've ever played yeah roguelikes for me 
were always a little daunting, and I think Mystery Dungeon was definitely my gateway into them, because it gave me, like, the familiar Pokemon aesthetic and mechanics that made me want to invest time and focus into this, like, the style of game, and I think that made other roguelikes more accessible to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely was, at least for me, it was, without knowing it, it was my, like, stepping stone into the roguelike uh, genre. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the elements of roguelike games that I think makes this game a little more interesting is because all your dungeons are randomly generated, um, with maybe, like, no, I don't, I don't think there are any exceptions that I can think of. Um, it, it makes every playthrough a unique experience, and when you're, like, completing missions and going back through the same dungeons over and over again to, like, rescue Pokemon and collect items and stuff like that, it never, it makes it seem a little more fresh despite the fact that you are doing, like, fetch quests and stuff like that. So, I, I think it really does enhance the, the, the format of the game. Uh, as I said before, uh, one thing that I consider a, like a massive positive for this franchise is that it cuts out the middleman. Um, I don't have to just have a Pikachu. I can be Pikachu, you know? Um, as a kid, that was such a fucking, like, such a win in my mind was like, all I ever wanted was to be a Pokemon, and now I can be a Pokemon. Yeah, um, man. This is, every, this is everyone's fucking fanfiction.net you know, stories come true. Right, it is It is it's, wish fulfillment, the game. It's literally... Especially for me in 2006. Yeah, it's literally, uh, you wake up, you're a Pokemon. Yeah, it really is, it really is. Um, although I will give them credit, because at least all of the games that I've played have an actual explanation for why you are a Pokemon. Um... But, but yeah, it is, it is, what would you do if you woke up in Pokemon World, AU slash, uh, OCs within slash <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's been a long fucking time since I trolled fanfiction sites. Um, but yeah, it it is wish fulfillment the game for sure. Especially because, like, you and your partner have the, like, Naruto-esque shonen anime bond between friends that gives you super strength and you get to like rise to the top and build your guild and yeah and oh, I, I never thought of that that's and, literally the plot of super mystery dungeon yeah well i was gonna say it's super apparent in super mystery dungeon super mystery dungeon is like a mashup of slice of life anime and like shonen anime like you are the new kid at school and you have to make a name for yourself yeah. Yeah. You also want to be a, a, uh, a explorer. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's your Pokemon slice of life shown in anime. It, it's it really it really yeah. hits the the big neck uh, bearded Pokemon weeb inside me. <laughs> wow. You never thought you'd have a second wish fulfillment experience with Mystery Dungeon, but then it hit. Right. But yeah, I, I would say another positive is just. As we have made very clear already, it's just a totally different way to experience Pokemon. But it's not, like, a, like, shallow different way to experience Pokemon. Like, Pokemon Pinball is a different way to experience Pokemon. Am I going to laud it as, like, a masterful experience? No. I, you know, there are so many other Pokemon spin-offs that just slap the Pokemon coat of paint onto a different premise, and that's it. But Mystery Dungeon actually has, like, its own intricate mechanics 
and its own priorities as a game. So I think that that's super refreshing. Um, after as much as I love main series Pokemon games, we've been getting them for a long time, over twenty years. So. Yeah. It's nice to have this kind of like parallel franchise that comes out a little less frequently, but offers like a totally different experience from the main main line. It's wonderful, you know. It's it's just what you said. It's it, it's a it's a nice it's a nice refreshing uh, change of pace for Pokemon. Anyway, with all the positives out of the way, what do you fucking hate about this franchise, bro? Oh man, uh, there's a couple things here. Uh... I'm just going to kick off, uh, like, we kind of teased with the recruiting. Because, like I said, recruiting Pokemon is a goddamn nightmare sometimes. It's, yeah, it's so fucking tedious. Especially, like, you going back to Super Mystery Dungeon. Because, like I said, yeah. there's 720 Pokemon in the game that can be recruited. Mm-hmm. It's it's a nightmare. It's, it's really, really hard. I looked up, like, how long it, it takes people to beat the game. Because I, I wanted to make a joke about how long the cutscenes were, which we'll get into that as well. But, uh, the completion, like, the average completion time is, like, 94 hours. <laughs> for a handheld roguelike. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah, it's extremely tedious. Um, I think something that they paired back in later games that was a real problem in red and blue was a lot of the later dungeons were like a hundred floors or like in the range between 50 and a hundred floors, which is a lot, especially when you're balancing that hunger mechanic and you know, you know, the Pokemon you might want to recruit might be on a specific floor. If you ever want to understand the tedium of recruiting Pokemon in the mystery dungeon franchise, just look up getting Mew in red and blue mystery dungeon. Oh God. Um, yeah, there's like a whole, I don't even know the specifics of it, so I can't speak to it like perfectly, but if I remember correctly, there's like a whole succession of legendaries you have to do in a specific order, um, and then eventually you get an item that might give you a chance to recruit Mew, I think. It's like a music box or something. And then Mew can only be found in, like, five floors of this hundred-floor dungeon. And it's not even... I don't even think it's the last five floors. I think it's just five floors in the dungeon. Plus, Mew has the ability to transform. So a lot of the times when you're facing Mew, you don't know it's Mew. And you could easily, like, one-shot Mew without fucking knowing it. Whereas, like... And I don't know if that necessarily impacts your chances of recruiting it or not, because... I think all you have to do to recruit a Pokemon is defeat it. I can't remember if you have to use the item in a specific way or whatever, but the point is, Mew was fucking frustrating, and I don't know anybody who successfully got Mew in those games. I sure um, shit didn't. Uh, a friend, there is a friend of ours who I know got very close. He cleared that entire 100-floor dungeon, like, a few times and never successfully got Mew, and I think he just rage quit eventually. Um, Jeez. And later games made that much easier and much better, but, like, the franchise does have a history of, like, really testing people's patience. Um, so, yeah, that is definitely a valid point. What gets under your skin about, about the Mission Dungeon series? A slightly, like, counterintuitive complaint I have is that while I love the Mystery Dungeon series and I praise it for being, like, a breath of fresh air for Pokemon... I do get frustrated with its extreme emphasis on story. 
Um, and that's a me thing. That's not even necessarily a problem with the games. The only time I really felt like that, like, I really was, like, mad at the game was, like, Super Mystery Dungeon, but we can get into that in a bit. Um, but, like, all of the games, Red and Blue, Explorers, you know, they emphasize story a lot. Um, I'm just not the kind of guy who likes story in video games. I think if it's lightly peppered in or it's, like, optional or you can absorb most of it passively, like in a game like Bioshock... Um, I think that's one thing, but I think it's another thing when I'm constantly stopping to mash the A button to get to power through a game and get to the next gameplay segment. Um, and I think with all of the games, that makes the beginning and the end of the games hard for me to get through. Um, I'm hoping that we can get to a point where we can just start doing cutscenes instead of the button mashing, and I think that would make it a lot more tolerable. Um... But I'm not naive. I realize that's the nature of this kind of RPG. Um, the story is to be expected. I don't even always hate the stories. I think the story for Explorers of Darkness and Time is pretty fun. Wigglytuff is a fun character in those games. But overall, that's like a big deterrent for me with, with the franchise. Um, I also never understood why you can't fucking evolve your Pokemon in the main quest. Yeah, that... I... I <laughs> that's always been pretty annoying. Like... Especially, and this works into Super Mystery Dungeon. Uh, when I played through, I got Froakie. So I was... Yeah. I was Froakie for, like, 95% of the game. And... Yeah. The way evolution works is fucking weird in the game, because uh, Mega Evolution is in there, but, like, you don't actually evolve. You're in, in uh, kind of a anime-ish, shown in, like, Deus Ex Machina kind of way. You unlock yeah. the power, the, the true power of friendship, and you mega evolve. Like in my playthrough, I maybe you came uh, Mega Greninja, and uh, it was like Mega Raichu. Oh. Yeah, I had, I had Pikachu. Mega Raichu. I had, I had Pikachu as a friend. There's no such thing as a Mega Raichu, though. It, it it's a weird. I maybe I'm just speaking. Are there. they are they like are they like like analogous to Mega Evolution, but like a different form? Yeah, like you skip immediately to. Uh, the final stage, and you're super powerful. So, uh, in a way, it, it's like Mega Evolution. It's just a really weird way so they did it. Or it's like uh, Digimon. Shit, yeah. So, like, what you're telling me is you can skip to their final stage, and then at the end of the battle, they revert back to their normal stage. Yes, that's what I'm trying to get at. Okay, that well, I mean that's interesting enough. That that's kind of a way of balancing it. I think I think they want you to be one consistent form throughout the game for like story purposes. Uh I don't necessarily think that's really necessary. I think your Pokémon could be allowed to evolve and grow like any other game and it would still be fine. But pretty much always evolution has been relegated to a post-game thing. Um and some of the games have plenty of post-game. Uh, in fairness, like, Red and Blue had a shit... Red and Blue had way more post-game than, than main game, but... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I still I still question that decision. It just seems like something that could be easily changed. One other thing that I wanted to mention that's an extremely me nitpick is that certain elements of the games have been getting progressively more streamlined as time has gone on. So, like, an example I have is in the original Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game there were some weird starters that you could become. Like, you had you had the typical Gens 1 through 3 starters, but you also had Psyduck, Machop, 
Cubone, um, Meowth, who's kind of a mascot. You had Skitty. Um, am I leaving some somebody out? Eevee? Yeah, there's Eevee, but Eevee's also kind of like a Pokemon mascot in a, in a weird way. But my point is that you had some really unconventional Pokemon that you could turn into beyond just the starters. But as the games have gone on, that's become less and less true. Like, I'm pretty sure in Super Mystery Dungeon, you could be the starters plus Riolu plus Eevee, who's technically kind of a starter anyway. Yeah, um, it, it, got, it got pared down really quickly. And I think part of the reason you can be Riolu is just Riolu is insanely popular. Or Lucario is anyway. Yeah. Yeah, in um in the second batch of games, you could be... Like, Munchlax was a weird one you could be, and I think Skitty and Meowth might have still been in there. Maybe not Skitty, I don't remember. But they gradually took that away, and one of the things that always bummed me out was I was like, I want the opportunity to be any Pokemon I want to be. And you can kind of do that through recruiting and stuff, but it just never felt the same to me. Like, as a, as a kid, I was happy to have all these weird options for potential Pokemon. I wanted more weird options for potential Pokemon. Like, if I want to be Paris, I would have liked to have been able to be Paris. That, But yeah, that, let, again, let, that's a... Sorry, go ahead. Let, yeah, let a guy go through the game as, uh, as Politoed. Mm-hmm. Just a random one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a very mean nitpick, and it's it's not a huge deal, but I'm just like, it, it doesn't actually feel that much variety if what you're telling me I have to pick through is like, you know, a couple dozen different fire, grass, and water types plus Pikachu and, like, you know, Riolu and Eevee, you know. Um, and Eevee's not even that, like, interesting of a potential starter when you can't evolve in the main game, so... Anyway, I think we want to do a little bit of ranting about Super Mystery Dungeon in particular. Uh, just real quick. Like, because we, we've... Not even buried the lead. We kind of gave away a bunch of our stuff we had problems with, like the recruiting system and all the cutscenes um at the story yeah but just i love super mystery dungeon i thought it was probably it's probably the best game in the series okay so far okay i even even i really struggled through the first like half of the game mm-hmm. because like brian said you're in pokemon school yes you're yes you're literally in school uh the cutscenes are like five six seven fifteen minutes of button mashing it's 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 disgusting right it gets to a point where you're gonna wear out your a button try to skip through everything and it's not even like it's particularly enjoying enjoyable story stuff either it's like very generic like friendship is 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 the most valuable treasure in the world it's like it's that kind of story and it's shoved down your throat for them like way too much of the game Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a very it's a very basic story yeah. for a game for a game franchise like Pokemon. It doesn't really that doesn't really need a story. Yeah, I I remember thinking like, oh my god, I am trapped in a slice of life anime. I just want to play the game and be a Pokemon. And then when it seemed like the game was finally starting to pick up, I remember there was this massive difficulty spike where you had to fight, like, a crazy high-level Salamence or something. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's like... That's like boss number one or two. Yeah, right. So I didn't even... It's like a level 50 Salamence. Yeah, I didn't even make it that far into the game. But I had been so frustrated with all of the ridiculous story stuff and the constant button mashing that by the time I hit that wall and got wiped out by it, I was like, fuck it. I'm pissed. 
and I, I have not picked up the game since. I kind of feel like I should give it another another try, but I just I just don't think the game is for me. And as I've said, the story stuff was already my least favorite part of the previous games, um, and I think there, we're only going to see more and more of that in successive games. But I, I can appreciate that you really like the game, and uh, and I, I get why other people like the game too. It's it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, that, that's that's really the the that's re- that's really like my biggest issue with the story and if you're, with the, with the game. Sorry, if you're gonna put a story in, uh, give it something. Yeah. Uh, every everything can be predicted if you if you're well versed in your slice of life or your shonen anime. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, otherwise, if, if you get through the first half yeah. of this game, it gets really good once you get out of school. <laughs> but, well, that... It's... it's Sorry. No, I'm, I'm just saying, it, 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 you really gotta hang in there. Um, I would just say, like... Which is the worst way to recommend a game. It's, it's still wish fulfillment, but it's, like, the shittiest kind of wish fulfillment, where instead of being like, what if me and my best friend were Pokemon that had a house... And we did cool missions every day and earned lots of money and fame. And then in, you know, the Explorers games, it's, you know, what if we were part of an exploration guild and we went on these cool expeditions and had all these quirky, you know, colleagues and stuff like that. And then Super Mystery Dungeon is just, what if I was a Pikachu and I went to school? <laughs> that That's like the kind of shit, like those are the kinds of games my sister would have made me and my cousins play with her. Like, okay, you're a Pikachu and it's tea time. Like, bitch, I don't care. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, uh, we don't need to rag on Super Mystery Dungeon anymore. Power to you if you like it. It's just not for me. Yeah, the average playthrough time is like 30 hours. So if you can survive the first uh, 10 or 15, yeah. it does get really fucking good. Okay, okay. Anyway, I don't think we can go much further with this discussion, so I think we'll just say thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you are, uh, please, uh, you know, give us a like, give us a review, follow us. We uh, we definitely intend to stick with this for the long haul, and we'd love to build up a viewer base. If you haven't, please go listen to our previous episode, um, which was half about news and half about Minecraft. Uh, it's a pretty good episode, and it's it's it should be performing better than it is. So, um, yeah, that that would be nice. If you liked the energy in this episode, uh, the Minecraft one yeah. has that as well. It's a lot of nostalgia bait. It's a lot of yeah. oh, remember this? Oh my God, yeah, yeah I do. It's. It's more fun than I. That's more fun than I'm yeah, describing. Yeah, it, it's really like a walk down memory lane, and us just giggling like idiots um, for like half an hour about. It literally only finds <laughs> us. Into it. I I think that might legitimately be true on Spotify. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, At least on yeah. Spotify. Um, but anyway, so again, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back here next week to discuss Castlevania season three and the series as a whole. Um, I'm Brian. I'm Dakota. And this has been Cthulhu Light Show.